Hey, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon that you've heard here on the campus. I will welcome you, but I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church, and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so uh, if this, hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth, but I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, 9, 30, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. We're continuing on in a series that Pastor Sean started last week, and he shall be called. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to get into the good stuff, and then we're going to hear um, an incredible Christmas dance and music arrangement uh, when I'm done. So we're going to go quite quickly through this, and um, we're going to learn some cool words today. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be looking at verse 6 is where we're going to camp out, but I want to read verse 5 and then read through 7 so that we can kind of get the context of what we're looking at. For every boot of the trampling warrior, this is verse 5, in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What? Verse 6, for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Precious Father, I just pray in the next few moments you would illuminate your word to us. You would teach us what it is to have a relationship with this wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, mighty God. Teach us and help us to understand that you, Lord Jesus, are the mighty God. God, we thank you. I pray for every person here, Lord God. I pray that you would be the mighty God to them and they would believe and know that you are the mighty God. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We started this series last week and Pastor Sean started with a wonderful counselor. This week we're talking about the mighty God. Mighty God. Kind of exciting and fun to say. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to um, pull it out because what we want to do is we want to ask some questions to begin. How powerful is our God? How would you answer that? How mighty do we see our God? See, oftentimes we go, yeah, our God's big, He's powerful. But yet, when it comes to the application of our lives, a lot of times we view God or we keep God in this, this I don't want to say box because I think that's kind of trite to say, but it's, we kind of keep him in this, this, this zone, this God zone, and he doesn't infect and infatuate 
our desires in our lives in every area of our lives. Powerful enough to forgive us of our sins? Question mark. Powerful enough to deliver you from sin? Maybe you're struggling with a sin right now and there's no way that you could ever get free from it. Is he really the mighty God that can deliver me? The mighty God knows you and still loves you. That's kind of a neat thought. In fact, Barna did a survey um, and asked Christians that had been saved for 10 years or longer, what's the one emotion that you think God feels towards you? And this is towards Christians that have been saved for 10 years or longer. You know what the number one answer was? 80% actually said this. God feels disappointment towards me. Isn't that tragic? Especially in this Christmas season, because we're not perfect or we can't accomplish the things that we want or we don't feel like God's kind of delivered us or is delivering us. And the reality is we don't look at life in this holistic process that, that how the God of the universe is mighty God even now to deliver us in every area of our lives that we struggle with. Isaiah was talking about the coming Messiah, the child who would be born, the Christ child. But what if Christ was so mighty he had already existed and came to earth to intervene on behalf of his own prior to him being born? The answer is, he was. Isn't that great? See, let me give you a picture of God that, that, that sometimes the world doesn't understand, and I think we get kind of lost in this. It's this idea that in the process of life, we view God, Jesus, kind of begin, beginning on Christmas morning where he was born, and then Christ kind of continues. But the reality is that Jesus has always existed. Jesus has always been. John 1, Pastor Sean mentioned it last week. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And we look at that and we go, yes, I, I believe that, I agree with that. But do we understand that Christ appeared before he was born? See, this is what's so cool, and I'm going to give you some really cool words in a second as we look at the three truths about our mighty God. If we look at God... Jesus existed, if we look at beginning of time, end of time, God is timeless, so therefore he sees it all at one moment. And so what's so amazing about Christ coming to this earth is that Christ, when he came down, he entered time. God entered time in the form of Christ. Human flesh, born of a baby, lived for 33 years, died on the cross for our sins, bodily rose from the dead. It's important that he bodily rose. He rose from the dead, and therefore, if we have a relationship with him, then we get to live forever. But Christ came to this earth prior to his birth. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? So if you're taking notes, write this down. There's three truths about our mighty God, Jesus Christ, from, the, from this passage of Scripture. And the first one is this. Jesus Christ has always been mighty, appeared there's a typo in your notes, but in the Old Testament to help his children. Jesus Christ has already appeared in the Old Testament. These appearances are called Christophanies. So when you talk to all your friends that go to other churches, what'd you learn today? You could say, at Coastal, we talked about Christophanies. And they'll be like, what? And then you can explain. It's this. It's defined as Christ in human flesh revealed to people before his birth to Mary. 
Christ in human flesh. And I'm going to show you some examples in the Old Testament. This is a Christophany. Now, it's not a theophany. Theophany is God appearing before, you know, in the Old Testament. A theophany would be like the burning bush. You'd call that a theophany. Because it's not really, it's like the bush is on fire. I love this thing. Every time I back up, it's annoying me. Okay, all right. (laughs) Is that like a drink holder? Someone will give me something to drink or something and we can just like stick stick it in there. But watch it go. Okay, all right, that was my ADDDD moment. Look, a bird. Um, All right, here we go. Some of you ADD people can follow me. All right, we're moving. So here, a theophany is also like the cloud that followed, that the people were watching the, in the Old Testament. That was God, and they were like, oh, there's God. He's going before us as a cloud. That's a theophany. But a Christophany is Christ in human flesh in the Old Testament. If you're taking notes, you want to see this. In Genesis chapter 12, turn over in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and I'll, and I'll show you what I mean. Verse 7 It says this, so Jesus is appearing to Abraham. It says, verse seven, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So here's a Christophany of Christ here on earth where God appears to him. Turn over a few pages to chapter 18 and you see another Christophany of Abraham and Jesus And it says in verse 18, verse 1, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks. As he sat on the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord. So once again, he sees Jesus, knowing that it's the Lord, that Christ doesn't call him the Christ. It's Remember, it's God in human flesh. He falls down and worships him. How do we know that it's not an angel? A lot of people would say, well, that's an angel. That's an appearance of an angel. No, the reality is the truth that we see is every time an angel is worshiped, the angel says, don't worship me, don't worship me. Only worship the Lord God. They're almost embarrassed about that fact. But this person, Christ, actually receives worship. That's one of the ways that you can indicate it. You see it clearly in Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis 32, where he sends his family over. He's on the other side of the the river, and all of a sudden, then he gets in this wrestling match with God. Well, how did he wrestle God? Remember, we we know in John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, he says, God is a spirit, and those that worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. So how in the world does he, there's a physical manifestation of God? Well, because it's Christ before he's born. It's a Christophany. Okay? And this is important because he's a mighty God who's always been. And so it's not like he was born and then his life began. He's always been. So he wrestles and then Jesus touches his hip and blesses him. And you could see that. Or you see in Joshua in the captain of the Lord of hosts where he sees Jesus in this, this awesome ma- battle fatigues or whatever. I don't know what you want to call it. Armor. And Joshua says, are you for our enemies or are you for us? And, and Jesus' response is really awesome. He says, for neither. But as the captain of the Lord of hosts, I come to you. And then it says that Joshua fell down on his face and worshiped. How do we know it's Jesus? Because if it was an angel, they would say, don't worship me. 
But Jesus received the worship because he was due the worship. Another one is the fourth in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, there was a big idol, and then they all fell down. They were all supposed to worship, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go, nope. And then the king Nebuchadnezzar is all mad. He says, well, I'm going to throw them in, and he heats it seven times hotter, and he throws them in the fire. I heard a preacher say one time, they didn't, they didn't bow, and they didn't bend, and bless God, they didn't burn. Okay, anyway, and then, and then there, was a, there was a fourth guy, and he was in there, and, they, and Nebuchadnezzar says, didn't we throw three in? How come I see four, and one of them looks like the Son of God? Because it was the Son of God. It was Jesus Christ. He was the fourth one. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, hey, what did you guys talk about in the fiery furnace? Sometimes Florida's a lot hotter. Yeah, yeah, I agree, you know. Yeah, but I, I've been to some parts of Mexico, and it gets really hot there, too. All right, uh, go ahead. You can go out now. Can you, can you imagine Shadrach Meshach to go? To go? Well, not until he calls us, because I'm really enjoying this. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, come out. And then Shadrach, you should be to go, well, okay. See you, Jesus, you know? And then they walked out. It's Jesus Christ. It's a Christophany. Because Jesus Christ has always been. He wasn't born, and that's the first time his existence begins. He's always been. Why? Because he's the mighty God. And only the mighty God can see time. Only the mighty God can know everything. Only the mighty God can be timeless and exist before he was born because he's the mighty God. Secondly is this, Jesus Christ is still mighty enough to help his children today. So he's the mighty God before he was born. He's the mighty God today. He's still mighty enough to help his children today. Romans 8, 29, how does he help us? But he conforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He's working in our lives to make us more like Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about it during the Christmas season, there's all kinds of things that are going on. And the reality is he's still mighty enough to help his children today. So what does he do? How, do? how does he help his children? Number one, he brings restoration. Every time I see that word restoration, I think of two things. I think of restoration hardware, and I think of that song, he brings restoration. You know that song? You know, every time we sing it, I just, that song gets in my head, and I sing it over and over and over again. It's a wonderful song. But in 2 Corinthians 13, 9 through 11, it says, it says this, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and for not tearing down. Finally, brothers, rejoice aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another. It's this idea that the restoration of the Lord Jesus Christ is to come to his people. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Christ, the mighty God, brings restoration. This is what's so incredible. I find this in our, in our world today. 
because everybody's all about this idea that Christians are supposed to be this broken mess. And the reality is God doesn't use broken things. He uses healed things, restored things, humble things. No, because why? Because Christ died on this earth so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. But all of us are broken and we're like, well, I guess this is what Christianity is all about for us to be broken. No, God restores that which is broken. If you're broken here today and you have Christ, God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be restored. He wants you to be whole. And he wants you to be humble. It's when he puts that pot together and there's all those cracks and everything and the humbleness of the pot, that's the pot that he uses. He brings restoration because he's the mighty God. He brings healing. Several passages of scripture, but Romans, Hebrews 13, eight, it says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that my God heals. He healed then and he heals now. Christ heals still. And it might be physical healing, it might be emotional healing, and it might be spiritual healing, but he brings healing. And sometimes not in the way we think he should, but he still brings it. Third thing, he brings salvation. He's a mighty God, and he still helps his children today by bringing salvation. First Peter 1, 8 and 9, it's this, this verse that we'll look at right here. In a second, when it comes up, there it is. Okay, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He brings, and I'm gonna give you another word. This is a fun word, salvific power because he's the mighty God. Isn't that a good word, salvific you can use Christophany, salvific, and then people will be like, whoa, who are you? You'll say, theologian, coastal. <laughs> it's salvific. Jesus Christ is still mighty enough. Not only did he exist before he was born, Jesus exists now and he heals. He's mighty enough to heal us, restore us, bring salvation, and bring transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Christ is transforming us. He's conforming us into the image of his son through the transformative work of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. So what are you struggling with? What are the things that you don't think God can restore you or heal you from? Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe, you, maybe there's something in your life that you're saying, man, God can't restore me. He can't heal me. He can't do this. And my response to you is this, then your God's not that mighty. But the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, the God of the Bible who died on the cross and rose again from the grave, he can heal. He can restore. He can transform. He can conform. And all we have to do is say yes, yes. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can't say yes. Say yes to him first that he saved you from your sins and then you'll see that work in his life, in your life each and every moment. You'll see the life of Jesus being lived out in your life. Not in perfection, but in this idea of when I'm broken, then he comes and he restores me. And then I break again, and then he restores me. My son has a game. He's, he's two, and, and it's 
throw things from the top of the stairs and break them and then bring them to dad and say, you fix, dad, you fix. And there's this one toy that I've like fixed like four times and it's like millions of pieces. And I continue to fix and fix and fix and there's gonna come a point where I'm like, I can't fix it anymore. But what's great to know is that Christ, our mighty God, he can fix us every time. And the more broken we are, the more he restores us and uses us. So don't say, oh man, God can't use me because I'm this or I'm that, or that's all excuses. No, God likes the broken things because he restores them. And then because they're humble, he loves to use them. What does it say? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, the third thing is, so it's Jesus Christ, the mighty God, he existed in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ, the mighty God, is here today, existing and working in our behalf today. And Jesus Christ, the mighty God, is coming again. Revelation chapter 19. If you turn over there and and see, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. Those are crowns. Not the ones you color with, but the ones that you wear. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. There's a name that God has reserved for himself that nobody's ever blasphemed. Think about that. Every time like we're playing a game or something and basketball or football or whatever and someone yells out, Jesus Christ, I always yell, is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord, right? Yeah. Anyway, try that. Anyway. <laughs> he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. For all you tattoo lovers, that's a pretty sweet tattoo, I guess. King of kings and Lord of lords. You can continue to read how he comes and he demonstrates his might. But Jesus Christ will come again and reveal his might to everyone. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the mighty God. And you either recognize it now or you're gonna recognize it then. And so understand this process. You see, Emmanuel is God with us when Jesus was come to earth, born of a virgin. Emmanuel, God with us. Romans 8, 9, the spirit of Christ is God in us. And then here in Revelation chapter 19, we see that glorified Christ, God returning for us. He's coming back for us. Be ready, be excited. And he's not coming back as like the weak hippie Jesus. Oh, he's coming back on a horse, mighty, powerful. 
ready, glorified, and he's returning for us. And so this Christmas season, what's the reality of it all? What does this mean? We should be excited about the return of Christ. If that doesn't excite you, that this Christmas season, that Jesus Christ, yes, he came to this earth, but it should remind you of the fact that he's coming again for us. If that doesn't excite you, then you need to get excited. Jesus, yeah, I know him, I know him. We should remember why he came, to seek and save the lost. This Christmas season, the mighty God, he's still about seeking and saving the lost. This time he just invites us to be a part of the process. Who are the people that Jesus wants to seek and to save and how does he want to use you to do it? And then the third thing this Christmas season is we should live as Jesus had, has already set up his kingdom. See, the kingdom of God is, is not just coming, it's now for us as Christians. And so we should live as Jesus has already set up his kingdom and returned. Jesus is our king, and so let's live like Jesus is our king now. How do we live according to Matthew 5? Read the Beatitudes. Jesus Christ so when he comes, it'll be like, oh, yes, of course. We've already been living this way. We'll be exciting for his, it'll be exciting for his return. If we're not living that way, we won't be as excited. But you can only do that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've believed and received Jesus into your life. If you haven't done that, very simply, you say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins and all the things that I've done wrong. Come into my life and save me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and on the third day risen from the dead bodily. And by faith, I take you into my life. And when you do that, it's Emmanuel, God with us, God in us, God returning for us. And this Christmas season makes so much more sense when we do this. Is Jesus your mighty God? Let's pray. Lord, I just pray for the men and women here. Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they would reach out to you, Lord God, and they would invite you into their life. They would confess their sins. They would say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. We love you. And just they would cry out and they would say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the grave. And by faith, I take you into my life. I pray that they would reach out to you now this Christmas holiday in Jesus' name, amen.